0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Wednesday's edition of Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. I am Dan Bespris, at Dan Vespris on Twitter and threads and wherever else you might try to find me. Today's a little bit of an interesting day, if only because, uh, well, the, Here's the good news, bad news situation over here. My wife tested negative for COVID, so she's out of the uh, family quarantine. But the bad news is that the rest of us <laughs> all still tested positive. So uh, for me, this is actually probably a <laughs> exclusively bad news <laughs> because at least over the last five days, four days, five days, we've been able to kind of divide and conquer. Today, it's me. I'm on full daddy daycare solo from start to finish. And now neither kid takes a nap anymore. The young one finally dropped him here over the last couple of weeks. So it's going to be a stretch. uh, And also that prelude is to let you guys know that we are going to do five. No, three, excuse me, of the five Atlantic division teams on our uh, swoop around the league. And the reason we're doing that is twofold. Number one There is another team that, of course, is involved uh, heavily in trade rumors. That's the Philadelphia 76ers, and that's all cycling around James Harden. It's why earlier there wasn't a line on the Clippers, although that's now up. The other one we're not going to cover today is the Toronto Raptors. Uh, They're not as heavily involved in trade rumors, although the handicap on them right now is basically a calculation on whether or not we think that they move Pascal Siakam. Because if they do, they go into something of like a a half tank. And if they don't, they'll be fighting for that last little bit of mediocrity. And that probably gets them up around to their number. So we're gonna skip two teams in the Atlantic division today. We'll do the other three. But what this does allow us for is kind of a loop back around in that now we do have lines on some of the teams that are that are dealing with this stuff, the trade rumor stuff. Portland, Miami, the Clippers, the Sixers, those are the sort of the big four. And I want to do a show dedicated to a yes or no game on either of those as it pertains to season win totals. I also want to do a show, of course, with Mike Fiddle and Keith Cork so we can get their thoughts. I still want to do my own episode on my favorite plays, although you guys have probably heard me kind of plucking them as we've gone through this stuff. Uh, but again, time being what it is right now, we might have to move stuff around a little bit. And uh, for that, I apologize. It's Again, this is just the, the, the up and down, the burdens of being, you know, having a, a two-kid household and being the last line of defense when we can't utilize their child care. And that's where we're at right now. So uh, bear with me a little bit longer. Uh, the rest of this week would be, I assume, the absolute longest that any of this lingers on. Because as soon as the kids test negative, we can send them back to camp, summer camp stuff, and that opens up the house a little bit again. But right now, and maybe tomorrow, and maybe Friday, um, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a squeeze. Start with the Boston Celtics. They're up near the top of the board, aren't they? Second highest total on the board at 53 and a half. And over the last few shows, I've talked about how I, I deal with these lines that almost look like sucker wagers but some of them are and some of them are not and i feel like boston is and that could be way off the reservation but i actually think that the celtics take a small regular season at the very least step back this year because what we saw from the Celtics last season was a club that was so good during the regular year, so incredible, finished a game back of the Bucks for the best record in the NBA at fifty seven and twenty-five. They you could argue that their uh win probability might have even been higher than the sixty nine and a half percent clip that they posted. But a lot of that was because the first two months of this year, Boston put together one of the most epic offensive runs in the history of the NBA. I mean, they hit every shot they took. And then they came back down to earth a little bit. Still very good, but you saw maybe a little bit more of, let's say, expectation from them the final four months. Still an above 500 team over that stretch. Like, they they didn't they just explode out of the gate and go 30 games over 500 right out of the chute. But they were way out ahead of the pack in a lot of metrics and then kind of fell back a little bit as the year went on. I think you see perhaps a bit more of that. And that's not to say the Celtics don't have a really good season. It's just that to win 54 games... You have to win at an extraordinarily high clip from start to finish. Only four teams in the NBA did it this year, so three, actually. Excuse me, Denver was only at 53 wins this year. So Philly, Boston, Milwaukee. These Eastern Conference top teams just rolling up victories. I think the Celtics are going to be a little bit more focused on the playoffs this coming year. They do have continuity, which is good, but they're also coming off an incredibly healthy season where I do feel like some of that gets a dent put in it. Like Derek White played in all 82 games. Jason Tatum played in 74. He's a guy that's going to try to play in a lot of stuff. Grant Williams, who they don't have anymore, played in 79. Uh, Marcus Smart was really the only injured Celtic last year. He played in 61, which wasn't a complete disaster, but yeah, he missed a handful, and he's now in Memphis. Memphis. Celtics got Kristaps Porzingis uh ultimately I like as you look at this team on paper it seems like they should almost have gotten better but I do think that Marcus Smart is the guy that kind of keeps everything on track he's the coach on the floor he's not like a traditional point guard but he is their heart and soul he's the energy guy and he's the guy that can get them playing serious basketball folks picture this nightmare scenario Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Must be 21 plus. Not available in all locations. Does this team have enough talent to just roll teams in the regular season again this year? Yeah, they absolutely do. But when you look at that big number and think, how important is this really to them? I'm inclined to believe that Boston actually tips ever so slightly to the under, I think the reason that the number is as low as it is right now after another big winning season is be, is that because oddsmakers kind of know. Like, health is not going to be as perfect this year. Malcolm Brogdon's arm is all kinds of That I don't know if they're going to get almost anything out of him, at least not early in the season, it doesn't seem like. They just gave Jalen Brown the richest contract in NBA history. I love Derek White, but I do also think that the Celtics are going to experience a little bit of a playoff hangover even without going to the finals because I think they felt like I think they felt like they were on pace to win a championship last year or at least go to the finals again. And so the regular season is going to both feel there's like going to be a little bit of rage but it also is going to feel a little bit meaningless. Horford's getting older. Much as you guys know, I love Big Al. He's down at number 90 per game last year, and they gave him a lot of time off, so that fantasy-wise is sort of a different animal than reality-wise. Time Lord, he can't stay on the floor. He only played 35 games last year. He came back partway through, and then they had other stuff they had to deal with him. So that's why the Celtics brought in Porzingis because they felt like they needed to figure out the center spot. They are not deep at all which does hurt you a little bit during the regular season. If somebody gets hurt on this team, somebody gets actually injured, there aren't the kind of laundry list of bodies to go drop into that slot anymore. So I just think that health is going to catch up. Lack of Marcus Smart is going to catch up. Celtics are just going to play the tiniest bit slower pace over the entire year. And, you know, maybe more like a 64 win percentage instead of 69. Still very, very good, but not in that like chasing 60 win category and I will go under crazy though that may sound. Philly's number is on the board by the way. We're not going to talk about it because it's at 49 and a half and they might move Harden. Um and I I want to play the over with this team but I don't want to do it while Harden's still on the roster. Because when they move him, the expectation is that this this line this season win total is going to drop. Is it 49 and a half right now? It'll drop to like 46 and a half, probably something in that neighborhood, 47 and a half. And then I would look at an over because uh, I think Embiid can get him there almost by himself. But right now there's, there's no point. Unless you wanted to play an under, expect them to trade Harden and then try to set yourself up a two or three win juicy little sandwich. Ah, well. Brooklyn Nets under 37 and a half. I'll just say right out where I'm leaning on that one. This Nets team is uh, not a 500-ball club without the superstars on it. I like the players on Brooklyn's club from a fantasy standpoint. Claxton, Bridges, Cam Johnson, even Spencer Dinwiddie are all interesting on that side of things. They have these. They have a host of wings. Royce O'Neill, Dorian Finney-Smith, these guys can float in and out. Even Ben Simmons might make an appearance, although I don't know that he makes them better by being on the floor. He might actually make them worse. I just... I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie is the guy that's probably going to have the ball in his hands at the end of close ball games, And we saw towards the end of last year that they just don't really have that same sock. Usually, I lean towards an over when clubs lose superstars, but there was enough good stuff going on around the Nets late last year that I think it wiped out a little bit of that. Like, I think if these... If those trades with of Kyrie and KD had happened in the offseason, I think you probably would have seen this number lower for Brooklyn. Uh, so I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna gonna go just the tiniest bit under. I don't have a whole lot to say about this club. You know, they won six of the last ten ball games last year, but they had actually lost the five games right before that. So they were six and nine over the last fifteen. It's all about like when you take the cross section of this club. I just think they're a sub five hundred team. Problem was that I was kind of hoping that this line would be either set at like 39 and a half and the under would be an obvious play, not obvious, I could still miss, a more obvious play, or that the line would be at like 35 and a half and I might look at an over of a bunch of guys that want to kind of start a, not that young, but semi-young rebuild in Brooklyn, and then a... Oddsmakers kind of split the difference on me, so uh, very slight lean to the under on the Brooklyn Nets. I do think that this number is pretty damn close to where it belongs with them. Um, they won 45 games last year overall, but again, a lot of that was with uh, KD and Kyrie. They have those four-ish, very competent players. They're not particularly deep, though. So I don't know. I just the beginning of the season is going to tell us a lot. If this team gets off to a good start, they might convince themselves to believe a little bit and and try to squeeze their way out to that number of wins. If they get off to a poor start, you might just you might start to see the team lose that self-confidence, that that belief in self. And then you're and then that ends up being sort of a cakewalk to an under. So, I'll go just slightly under with the Brooklyn Nets. I, I you know, I, I they probably end up in that 35 to 37 range, which means that if you're off by, like, one game, they could clear this number. I, I do think Oddsmakers, this is one of those ones where I think they knew they were going to split the cash. That was their favorite play on it, and so they, they gave us a number that's pretty, pretty damn accurate with Brooklyn uh, because you've got, again, Bridges, Cam, Claxton, Dinwiddie, that kind of stuff. These guys are decent, but they're not star-level guys, the guys that can get you up to that 500-win plateau. I don't know. I'm stretching out the discussion on this team, but I don't know that it needs to be stretched out other than to try to fill podcast airtime. But that seems like an idiotic thing to do today when I already told you guys it needs to be a little bit of a lightning round show. But I, I do think I want, I want to stress that point that Mikael Bridges, very good basketball player. Cam Johnson, very good. Spencer Dinwiddie's pretty good. And, you know, he's a he's guy that can create a little bit. Dinwiddie can. So maybe he wins a couple of closer ball games. I just don't look at this team and think, this is a club that has the power to get to that next rung. The game changers. Those guys are all guardable for NBA players. In real life, not really. But, like, there's no Halliburton. There's no DeMar-Levine-Vooch combo, even, to take a team that... I'm trying to compare them to other teams that might be in that, like, 38-42 Thirty-eight to forty-two win range, and those teams just have the singular better player: Trey Young, Dejounte Murray in Atlanta; Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Miami; Jalen Brunson in New York. I I like these players on Brooklyn, but I don't see them as guys that are going to go and win you a ball game late. Maybe I'm not giving up a, enough credit to Mikhail Bridges. But I think I am. And I like my bridges a lot. We're going to skip Toronto as well. Their number is uh, low, 36 and a half. But again, in my eyes, this comes down to whether or not they move Pascal Siakam. If they keep him, they can probably get to this mark. If they trade him, they got no prayer of getting anywhere near this thing. So... You know, I don't know how you make this this play early. You probably go under and then hope that they're either bad with Siakam or they move him. Because that's your play there. If it's a 50-50 shot to get to this mark with Siakam, let's just say hypothetically that's what you're looking at there, and it's like a, like a 5% shot of getting there without him, and those are the two possible outcomes, and it, at that point, Whatever the percentage is that they move Siakam, you have value on the under. Which is kind of the opposite of the way I feel about Philly. Like, I think that there's a... I think that they clear that mark with Harden if he actually shows up and plays hard easily. And if he doesn't, I think there's like a 50-50 shot they make it. So that one, there's probably a little bit of value on the over. But, you know me, I'd rather make these wagers after I have a little bit more information. So Toronto lean to the under... Based on the possible outcomes and just the math involved in that, Philly lead the over, with the possible outcomes and the math. And you can do the same general exercise with you know the Heat, forty-eight and a half, odds that they get to that mark without Dame, kind of low. Odds that they get there with him, still not that high. I think the Heat, I would look at the under. Clippers forty-six and a half with Harden, they almost definitely do get there because he actually, well. I don't know. It's going to be a lot of getting used to out that way. But if they have three stars on that club, they'll get to 46 and a half. I'd, without him, yeah, Clippers, I guess I would lean a little bit to the over also. But let's move past that. I want to I want to save some of those discussions for another day. And let's talk about the New York Knicks. Uh, another public team. And after a few shows where we were on the public side in a lot of stuff. Um... We had a, I think today, yesterday, we were actually kind of fading them more often. But this time we're back with them again. Number for the Knicks is 44.5, which is kind of a suggestion that the Knicks weren't as good as their win total last year might have indicated, but I think they were. 47-35 and 35 was the number for New York last season. They were good defensively. They added Josh Hart in the middle of the season. He's still around there. They didn't really lose anything, did the Knicks. So that's good news. And while they didn't make any big splash kind of stuff this offseason, I thought bringing in Dante DiVincenzo was actually a really smart move. And they gave him a bunch. They gave him a four-year deal. So they still got Randall. They still got Brunson, of course. That's a big deal. They still got Barrett. Mitchell Robinson still manning the middle Hart, DiVincenzo, Hartenstein, Emmanuel Quickley's really come on. Quinton Grimes got better as last season went on. Uh, the Knicks really, they, like, they still have their top eight, nine guys season over season, and I think is going to slot in and really work out nicely for them. He gives them more depth if they lose, uh, if Quentin Grimes maybe doesn't take a step forward, or if Josh Hart gets hurt partway through the year, which does seem to happen to him. I just think that this team is properly built for what Tom Thibodeau wants to do with them. The way that things get worse for the Knicks is if Jalen Brunson misses more, he missed 14 games last year, which is pretty close to the league average. He could be healthier this year. It's not out of the question. Overall, though, the Knicks were very healthy last season. Mitchell Robinson missed a decent chunk of time, but Randall, well, uh, he played 77, quickly 81, Grimes 71, Hardenstein 82, Barrett 73. Most of their key guys were in the 70s or even 80s last season. Josh Hart was basically there after he got traded, so that was a big deal. So as you look at the health side, Mitchell Robinson could have a better year on that front, but most of the other guys are kind of pointing in the negative direction. So that's a reason to be a little bit concerned about the Knicks taking a step back. I just, I like the personnel. I think it's the right makeup for this head coach they built Tibbs a Tibbs team and Jalen Brunson's efficiency alone gets this club uh, like a lot of wins over the course of a year and a lot of what they do is just going to be playing harder than other teams that's the Knicks way that's the Thibodeau way right now I'd like to see some growth out of RJ Barrett who seems like he's taking steps backwards most of the way but luckily, like if he can't do as much as he has, you'll see more quickly. He did more and more and more as this season went on, and I don't know how obvious that was to the casual observer, but if you get bonus Emmanuel quickly next year, the Knicks could even get a little bit better. So we'll see. All of these things could, of course, implode, but that's where I am on the three teams that have no huge trade rumors in the Atlantic division. It's not my favorite spot. Um, especially the nets of the three that we really went in depth on today. That one to me looks very close to it. Um, Boston, you can actually get plus money odds on the under with them right now. Uh, or even odds maybe. Yeah. I think it might be a pick them or it might be, uh, yeah. Free square kind of deal. Plus 100, one to one odds on your Celtics bet at DraftKings at the moment. um, does it continue to, to tip in that direction? Uh, hard to say. Hard to say. So, um, not my favorite division. Perhaps as we get more clarity on the Raptors and the Sixers, those will be a little bit more interesting. I, the Sixers over is calling me a little bit, but I want to take a little bit more time. We'll, we'll loop back around to this type of stuff once we get some more clarity on uh, actual blockbuster trades that could go down. Uh, and for now, we'll kind of put a pin in that. Tomorrow! Depending on the status of the COVID in our home here on the Vespers Front, we will either go over some of my favorite plays that we've covered uh, intermittently throughout this process, or uh, if there's opportunity for scheduling, then we'll talk to Keith and Mike uh, Fiddle over the rest of this week. All right, we're going to put a pin in that. That's our short episode here for Wednesday. I am Dan vespers for fantasy nba today a sports ethos presentation have a wonderful day we'll get back to you tomorrow hopefully it'll be a longer one we shall see long for now